Welcome to the Celebrity Estates Wills of the Rich and Famous podcast. In this podcast, we break down high-profile celebrity estate planning cases for advisors and their clients. Most celebrity estate catastrophes are based on the same issues that everyday people face, just with the volume turned up. Our goal is to identify and extract the individual estate planning issues that lie at the heart of each story. We then discuss what advisors should expect and how to avoid common pitfalls. Hosted by WealthManagement.com Senior Editor David Lenock. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of WealthManagement.com's Celebrity Estates, Wills of the Rich and Famous. For anyone new to the podcast, in each installment, myself and a guest take on a different celebrity estate and attempt to extract some key lessons that planners can apply to their more traditional clients. The idea being that celebrity estate planning stories, although often ridiculous in their details, generally have at their core very basic issues that can just as easily apply to non-famous or fabulously wealthy clients. I'm joined for this episode by Amanda Copland. Amanda is the CEO of Copland Consulting LLC, a national concierge medical, mental and behavioral health company. Amanda is a mental health entrepreneur and thought leader who creates innovative solutions to fill gaps in the mental health care system. In 2014, she created and developed an idea for a mental health urgent care clinic and sold it in 2016 to create Copland Consulting. Amanda is passionate about helping people achieve mental wellness and creating sustainable support systems and solutions, which integrates seamlessly into real life. Thanks for joining us, Amanda. Thank you. So we have our first repeat subject for this episode, Robin Williams. We first addressed Williams' story way back in the second ever episode of the show. In that installment, Alvi Kestenbaum and I discussed Williams' estate plan and how certain fights are inevitable, regardless of planning. If you want to go check that out, then jump back into the archives. In this episode, we're going to focus more on William's tragic suicide and the scourge of mental illness. For those who somehow haven't heard of him, Robin, since there are so many people named Williams in this story, I'm just going to be on a first-name basis here with him, was a beloved comedian and Oscar-winning actor with a career that spanned over 40 years before he took his own life in August of 2014. An autopsy revealed that Williams was suffering from Lewy body dementia, the very same condition that silenced the subject of our first-ever podcast, Casey Kasem. Williams was married three times, the first two of which produced a total of three children, Zach from his first marriage and Zelda and Cody from his second. At the time of his death, he was married to his third wife, Susan Schneider. The couple had no children together. Six months after Robin's death, his children Zach, Zelda, and Cody from his previous two marriages entered into a bitter battle with his widow Susan, his third wife over his estate. Interestingly, this battle really had nothing to do with the 50-some-odd million dollars Robin left in his estate. He'd basically covered that pretty thoroughly in a series of trusts. Instead, court documents reveal that this fight centered not on big-ticket items and cash, but just personal effects like clothing, photographs, and collectibles. Williams' collections, which included bicycles, graphic novels, and other sort of miscellanea gathered over the years, were highly contested by both parties because of the emotional value attached to them and how they reflected his unique personality. The dispute settled in October 2015, and the dispute and the details weren't made public. Mental health issues, despite their common occurrence, are often ignored in conferences and planning. One rarely discussed issue that a practitioner should be aware of is male suicide. The unspoken truth about male suicide statistics is shocking. Notably, the victims are a common client profile for many advisors, namely middle-aged white men. Amanda, while advisors aren't mental health experts and shouldn't be expected to be, How can understanding the common impact of this threat help them assist clients in making better planning decisions? Absolutely. I think 
what you said was really important that they are not mental health experts and it's really important to remember that that burden doesn't lie on you to diagnose or to uh, decide whether somebody needs help or not. One of the analogies I always say is that if I'm in the street and I see somebody grabbing their chest, I don't need to be a doctor to say that person needs more help. And I don't need to say that person is having a heart attack or heartburn to be able to contact the appropriate people. With, with people, one in four struggle with a mental health disorder. This is impacting everybody across the board. And so whether you have money or not, whether you have estate planners or not, this is something that everybody needs to be aware of. Estate planners specifically should be aware of some of the signs um, for white middle-aged males. A lot of the time there's a privilege and um, a shame in getting help because of the privilege and because they're expected to hold it all together. Many of them are business owners or people that have a high standing in society that are expected to present a certain way. And so that stigma of getting help or struggling really forces them to cope in other ways. So for instance, they may turn to drugs, they may hold it in, they may be taking more um, risky behaviors. And so if estate planners understand the signs and, and risk factors, they're able to help plan better and encourage people to get help. So no, I, but you and I have mentioned white males already at this point, sort of this danger demographic, for lack of a better term. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and sort of, I guess, why that is? Men specifically are four times more likely to complete suicide than women. Um, typically, it's because they use more lethal means. So, you know, just like Robin Williams, he hung himself. Um, many people shoot themselves. And so women tend to lean more towards things like pills. So when men decide that they're going to commit suicide, it's typically a pretty firm decision. But what plays into it, which is different than women, is that men tend to commit suicide over more external circumstances than women. So this could be loss of a relationship, loss of a business or financial status, um, and many other factors that are really temporary in nature. So for estate planners and financial advisors specifically, what that means is that not only do they have an opportunity to refer to a mental health professional, but they have the ability to lay out a plan to get out of this temporary circumstance. And when somebody is depressed, it really clouds their judgment and ability to see hope for a future. And you know, as advisors, you know, other than sort of family and friends and coworkers, you're kind of on the front lines of seeing these people as more often than you know, a lot of basically any else, certainly any other professional um, in that, you know, you're seeing them sometimes on a monthly basis. So it, right. it, it's very easy for advisors or advisors are uniquely positioned, at least amongst professionals to sort of spot a lot of these warning signs and a lot of you know, changes in behavior and things like that. Correct. And if you think about it, if you lose your business, if your financial status changes, if your health status changes, who are the first people you go to see? Of course, your advisors. And I'm glad you brought right. this idea of, of business because there is a connection between entrepreneurship and sort of mental illness. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you think about uh, the nature of entrepreneurship, you do have to have more risk-taking behavior. You have to be more on the edge of things and have a higher level of energy. 49% um, of entrepreneurs reported struggling with a mental health condition. That's half of them. And that's more than the general population, which is one fourth. Um, 
you know, and they're struggling with the burdens of carrying payroll, of uh, navigating different investor relationships or co-founder relationships. There's a lot of pressure. And when you put pressure on top of mental health issues, it's typically not a great thing. And so in case our audience hasn't quite realized yet, the reason that this is such an important topic and, and that we want to cover it is that it's one of the few topics that sort of crosses over both for advisors and clients. Because I think not only of the people sort of that we are describing here, these, you know, older white male entrepreneurs that very you know, astutely describes many you know, advisor clients that also astutely describes many advisors. So it, it's sort of a double-edged sword here where learning to recognize these things in your clients or just even be aware that these things that happen to your clients can also help you to prepare better to recognize them in yourself, even though that's a, a much more difficult sort of act activity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, even if you're looking at the older clients who have been more successful in their businesses, there are things that impact them like forced retirement. So not everybody chooses to retire on their own. And when your identity is so consumed in one thing, whether that's owning a business, running a business or your financial status, when that changes, you don't have any kind of identity anymore. And so that's, you know, a really shaky ground to try to continue to reinvent yourself at an older age than when you're at a younger age. Yeah, mental illness, obviously, it's a very uh, personal and very specific thing. But so what are some of the common warning signs or indicators that advisors, you know, we mentioned earlier, you know, you see someone across the street clutching their chest and everyone thinks heart attack. And even if it isn't, it's you're at least sort of in the right vein that they, they need help. Um, so it's what sort of vague indicators can advisors sort of see in their clients or look for to notice that, oh, maybe this person might need help. I think the first thing is is the change in any kind of life status, so whether it be their health, their financial status, their relationship status, um, or their you know whether they have a business or it failed or any of that kind of stuff. So um, those will pretty much mean that the the client is making a call to the advisor. Um, beyond that, you'll notice changes in communication patterns. So maybe they move from going on calls with you frequently to just sending emails um, and avoiding calls. You may notice more erratic behavior um, and they may engage in, in more substance use and that could be reported through a family member who says you know, to the advisor, I'm worried about this person. Um, they could become more neglectful of important tasks in their life. So maybe when they were um, on the ball with everything before, they could be just all over the place and dropping the ball um, avoiding social situations, avoiding family members, avoiding their typical life responsibilities. And they may also start to give away their prized possessions. Yeah, a lot of times you know, they, they'll, they'll just tell you too, in a way, right? Especially, you know, when if you're an estate planner and you're dealing with talking about death and dying all the time, these are very heavy topics for anyone, let alone someone who's maybe struggling with mental illness. So, you know, even sort of talking about, you know, death and dying and, the, you know, the future in sort of a negative light can be kind of an indicator that, that, that something's going on. Absolutely. And with that, one of the really common things that people don't recognize is when people make a decision to, to commit suicide, um, sometimes their affect changes from hopeless to at peace. And they start to become more engaged in um, saying goodbye to people and being more pleasant to be around. Um, and that is a, a big sign when their mood shifts that dramatically. 
Yeah, I imagine that's sort of a big cause of the, oh, you know, he was doing bad, but he seemed like he was getting so much better kind of situation, right? Where it's like, you know, he's, he's resigned himself to, to what he's doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's trying to make the last days of his life pleasant and say his goodbyes and make sure everybody else feels at peace. So how can trusted advisors and help here once, once we notice, you know, assuming that they see these warning signs, what can they do? I think the first thing is to normalize. Um, so often it's, it's very difficult for people to talk about mental illness and there's already a shame that people feel and people around them don't know how to talk about it. So normalizing and saying a lot of people are going through this, a similar experience to you. A lot of people, um, have lost businesses. A lot of people have been forced into retirement. A lot of people have, you know, had divorces or been widowed. Um, and there's a way to start to get out of that. And I want to help you do that. But I also think that this is a fragile time in your life and it's not a bad idea to seek mental health help. And just being direct and normalizing will help ease the tension in the room. Mm -hmm. And of course, though we haven't mentioned it yet, obviously in living in this COVID world, all of these problems are amplified tenfold with people being isolated and just, you know, again, many losing jobs, many being forced into retirement. And many businesses being lost. So what else can the advisor kind of do here? Like what steps can we take? We, we're no, first we normalize and then what, where do we go from there? So I think really what it depends on is where you're at in this process. I think every advisor owes it to their clients to build a relationship and be that person that they could come to to help navigate these important life issues. And so being able to say before your clients come to you with big news like this, say, I listened to a webinar or I listened to a podcast and I learned about this topic and I want to make sure that you know that I have resources if you need them. So being able to have the conversation before a crisis emerges really helps people to feel like the door is open and they could come to you. And it lets them know that you're not the expert in this, but that you have resources for them. So setting that boundary that you're not going to be the counselor, but that you have resources for a counselor is really important. Otherwise they could continue to come to you um, in the counselor role versus the estate planner role. And that is important, right? Because again, we're, you, know, you, you aren't a counselor and you aren't expected to be one. You know, and at a certain point, it becomes irresponsible to not pass them off to someone who is more equipped to help them. Absolutely. And I think the thing with estate planners and financial advisors and other trusted advisors is that they often feel the need to have an answer. And if they don't have the answer and they're not the answer, then they feel uncomfortable discussing it. And speaking about, you know, again, them not having the answer themselves, you don't have to necessarily be alone. A lot of these clients have you know, they have teams of people that, that work on, on their finances and other things. And, you know, bringing those other professionals in can be a very helpful way to help the client and yourself sort of handle the situation. Absolutely. I mean, the estate planner is not the financial advisor, not the trustee, not all of these other roles. And somehow there's a comfort with delegating or collaborating with people in different roles when it comes to that. But there's such a stigma associated with mental health, even though one in four people struggle with it, um, that they just don't know what to do or where to go or how to bring it up. And so if you, you start talking about the mental health professionals, as much as you start talking about the financial advisors or the trustees, 
um, or the accountant, then it, it really normalizes it. And that's a really key move to helping people come to you and, and get the help that they need. Yeah. And this really is a puzzle, right? Where, you know, even as well as we think we know our clients, we only know our very limited part of the puzzle as, you know, as an estate planner, you know, knows certain things that a financial advisor doesn't know and vice versa. And, and the same thing for a CPA or the insurance salesman. Each sort of professional has different information and different pieces of this puzzle that you can help each other to sort of piece together what's going on with this person. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at it in terms of even medical issues, which again, declining health and like you saw with Robin Williams was a primary reason why he killed himself. Um, we talk all the time with the caregivers when it comes to cognitive ability and being able to make sure that the person's in sound mind to make decisions. It's the same type of thing. Yeah. And that's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because I know in, in the article you wrote on this for uh, wealthmanagement.com, uh, you note that, you know, people 70 plus are actually like heavily at risk, even more so than other demographics for suicide for, for these very reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, people that are, are older, um, they face more issues when it comes to being widowed, um, declining health, and men typically tend to be less resilient than women when it comes to declining health because Typically, women of that age have gone through things like childbirth or, you know, raising kids or divorce, and they understand what it takes to navigate those where men haven't really had the same chance that women have. And so they don't have the skills to be able to navigate that in the same way. So obviously, mental illness and suicide, this is a, an enormous and very complex and, and difficult topic. But, you know, as we come to the end here, if there's sort of one piece of advice that you can give to advisors and estate you know, planners and, and sort of just service professionals, I guess, that can help them to sort of fight this, this issue and to, to address and do their part to, to help their clients and themselves. What, what would that one thing be? I would say have resources on hand, be ready to normalize and be willing to offer that resource to your client when you notice big life changes, including medical health and inc including uh, financial status and relationship status, and just be willing to offer that resource regardless of which client it is or whether you think they're going to commit suicide or not, it's way better to be safe than sorry. And it's way better to be able to have a professional to assess that situation. Um, but estate planners can definitely make the difference because many of these things bring the clients to the planner because of the changes involved. That's all the time we have, folks. I'd like to thank Amanda Coppola for being just a great guest and helping us unpack an extremely difficult topic. And for all our listeners, I'll see you, or I guess you'll hear me, on the next episode of Celebrity Estates, Wills of the Rich and Famous. Thank you for listening to the Celebrity Estates, Wills of the Rich and Famous podcast. Click the subscribe button below to become notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of InformaWealthManagement.com. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.